welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris and welcome back to Dads with Daughters where we bring you guests to help you be participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. I am really excited to have you back again this week. We're going to be talking to a, another great guest this week. We've got John Francis with us. Uh, he's with Father's Eve. And if you've never heard of Father's Eve, it's a it's a great way to be able to connect with other dads in your own community and uh, really leading up to, to Father's Day, which is coming up here. And um, I've known John for a little bit, and we're going to be talking to him as a father to two daughters as well, and also about what he's doing with Father's Eve. So John, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. And I always start these interviews with an opportunity to really delve into you as a dad, because I love hearing some of these stories about the journey that you've been on. And if you turn back the clock, I know you've got two daughters. What was your first reaction when you first found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter? Well, uh, we were thrilled, really thrilled. Um, my lovely wife and I, we've been married 20 years. And um, I married when I was 32, 32 years old, I got married. And uh, we had a great time running around as newlyweds, you know, before kids for a few years. And then we decided, well, let's, you know, let's get started. So we tried real hard and uh, we had some, I'll just say technical challenges on having uh, kids the old fashioned way. So we wound up going through in vitro program. That was a challenge, very difficult, uh, very expensive, frustrating experience, a pain in my wife's ass, you know, to be literal. It was a lot of shots and hormones and doctors and doctors and doctors. And so when we finally had the first child was, um, she was born when I was 36. So it took us almost two years to get pregnant with our first daughter. And we were just glad to have, you know, anything that worked. I think we did uh, three cycles of in vitro uh, to conceive the first child. So we were thrilled and she's born. She's great, healthy, wonderful, beautiful kid. And then we waited a little while. We said, well, let's try it again. You know, and we, we wanted more than one. And then we went back and we cycled again a couple times. It took two more laps around that in vitro track. And uh, we had our second daughter uh, when I was 40. So it took another couple of years. So we're just grateful as heck. And, and you know, really the, the whole thing was quite an experience. I mean, I never expected to go through anything like that, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, you, you get what you get. And, and the, the, we were, you know, the next stop was uh, adoption. You know, I was ready to go forward if, if the in vitro thing just didn't ever work. And But we were lucky because it, it did work and we didn't have any complications. We didn't have any difficult choices. You know, the doctors did a great job and we we had everything we needed. You know, it wasn't easy. It was very expensive, very difficult, and a lot of emotional roller coaster. But, you know, we didn't have to have any real complicated choices, which I think in the big picture made it real easy. So we feel blessed to have our two girls. Today, my daughters are 13 and 16. The older one is almost 17. We're having a blast. You know, they're great teenagers. They're normal, healthy, challenging kids, but we love it. I'm a work from home dad. Uh, ever since my kids were, you know, little toddlers, uh, I was able to 
kind of construct my professional life that allowed me to work from home. And uh, so I've been doing that for their whole life. You know, they don't know, they don't know a dad that works out of the house. And uh, my wife is at home mom. Uh, so we're both together here all the time. It's kind of fun. Well, it sounds like fun. And it sounds like we're in similar situations. I, I have a 12 and an almost 16 year old. So I, I definitely feel you. And, you know, it's, it's a, things change as the years go by and yeah. as they get into their teenage years, it's changing even more. So I, I, uh, it, it, I, I definitely hear you when you're saying that now, being that your kids are now in the ages that they're in, what would you say has been the most memorable experiences that you've had thus far as a father? You know, probably the, the most interesting things we've done are vacations. We, I'm a believer in take a lot of vacations because someone told me once, and I don't remember when or where, but they said, your kids are going to remember things. And if you're lucky, you'll create good things that they remember because <laughs> You don't know what they're going to remember. It's usually the little things that happen, you know, inadvertently, or hopefully it's not the traumatic things that that might go wrong or, you know, bad things. But we've been pretty conscious about trying to take, you know, not not lavish or expensive vacations, but fun and interesting vacations. So we've had a lot of fun on vacation with our kids. And um, we talk about it now, you know, they, I say, what do you think they're doing back in whatever, when we were somewhere else, you know, like six months later, I'll ask them a question about the, the person they met or, you know, the tour guide here or there, or, you know, what do you think is going on at the place we saw? You know, I think travel is a great educator. You learn about the world, you learn, you put things in perspective, you know, you realize there's more to life than just your city or your town or your state or your family. You learn about languages and cultures and, and, you know, everything. We've had some pretty cool vacations. And I think those are some of the best memories of being the dad to create those memories for my kids. It's always so important to be able to make those memories. And sometimes it's so interesting because you look at it and then you have those conversations and you find that things that you thought would be things that they would remember the most are not. And sometimes it's just really small things that 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 are just moments or are just uh, things that are passing for you, but they make so much difference in the lives of your kids. So, you know, you, I love that you said that you don't have to spend tons of money to make memories because you don't. You know, I, there's so many things that you can do that will be things that they will remember. And you don't always know what the, that's going to be until they get older and they say, remember when? And you're like, what? <laughs> what was that? I love that. Now, being a stay-at-home dad and being a, a work-from-home dad, how would you say that you balance your work as well as your role as being a father? Well, when when my kids were little, like really little, I did most of my work at night after they'd go to bed, you know, about seven, eight o'clock, we'd put the kids to bed. And that's when I do my work. I'd work from, you know, seven, eight until midnight or, or later sometimes. Because when they were awake and around, I wanted to be, you know, with them and going out to the park or doing whatever, you know, active and involved as much as I could manage. So it was, I would call it on purpose scheduling. Now that my kids are in school, when they got into grade school, you know, they go to, we're lucky they go to private school here in Minnesota. So I drive them to school and we pick them up from school. And so while during the school day they were at school, that's when I would do my work. And when they come home, because I'm picking them up, I try not to schedule anything 
until after they were back in bed. You know, now it's like nine or 10 o'clock, right? I mean, they can't do much after 10 o'clock, but I can, I can dig out of my emails and I can do things that are, are not time sensitive, you know, at night. So I still work till midnight. So now <laughs> my kids are full-blown teenagers and they really don't care when I'm around uh, at all, you know? So we tend to spend most of the fun time on the weekends and, and holidays. And again, back on vacations, you know, I know I get them uh, full attention when, when we're together on a vacation. So during the day, during the week, I still do most of my work during the day, during the week. And then after school, you know, around dinner time, I try to be a, totally available because that's when they're mostly available. And then they've got to do homework or whatever. And, and we're all going to, well, we're going to bed before they are. Now it's completely flipped. You know, the girls are up late. I guess that's their, their kind of night owls. And we're fine with it as long as they behave properly and their grades don't suffer. You know, we let them manage their own schedules. They're, they're old enough and they're going to learn how to do it anyway. So um, I think it's been just intentional scheduling, trying to be aware of when they're available. I want to be available. And right now it's, it's like I say, a little bit, a couple hours in the afternoon, early evening around dinner time. sometimes in the morning when, when they were going to school now with this coronavirus, you know, everything's school from home, but you know, when we'd have breakfast together, then they'd go to school and I'd go to work. And um, so that's how it's been. And it's, it's been a pretty good balance. You know, I, I feel like it's pretty balanced. I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy who can work all day, every day, anytime. I'll never be caught up. You know, there's always opportunities for me to work on things that I've got uh, those opportunities. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I've also learned how to prioritize my efforts. You know, I, I've got pretty good discipline and I know how to get done the things that really need to get done first. And, uh, and I, I, I have good calendar discipline, you know, if it's in the calendar and I have to protect the time I do, um, but I try to make myself most available for my kids first. And, uh, you know, I know that they recognize that because we've talked about it, you know, when, when they were little and, uh, my kids, you know, one of the girls came home and said, you know, uh, you know, the, where they were explaining at school, the kids were asking, well, what does your dad do? You know? And, and the other dads are, you know, they work, they're a lawyer or a doctor or they work at some office or they do whatever it is they do. And and I said, well, honey, what did you say? You know, and she said, well, I told them you talk on the phone a lot. <laughs> and I told them you work in franchising, which is basically what I do. I, I do talk on the phone a lot and I do work in franchising. So she didn't know how to explain it any more than that. And I think that was enough to satisfy whoever was asking the question. But uh, I think they appreciate the fact that I've been able to do that and I'm still able to do that. And I feel grateful to have that, you know, the freedom and the opportunity really to manage my time, mostly on my terms. Now, with your kids being the ages, again, that they are, one question that I have is, um, is in looking forward, what would you say is your biggest fear in raising a daughter today? Oh man, other people, I guess, you know, I, I'm, my girls are pretty confident. They're smart. They're normal kids. You know, they're going to make mistakes and we let them make mistakes and we let them learn from those mistakes as much as we can. We try not to overprotect them. We're not snow No, we're not snow plow parents and we're, we're trying to not be helicopter parents. You know, we're trying to 
Just give them some uh, guidelines and, and help them make good decisions and let them recognize when they're making decisions. Because I think a lot of things are just unconscious. But my biggest fear is they get themselves into a situation that they don't know how to handle and something goes wrong. You know, they become a victim, which I guess there, there's some some uh, situations that are unavoidable. But, you know, trying to teach them how to pay attention and have that what I would call situational awareness you know, look around, think about where you are, who you're with, you know, what could go wrong and how do you get out of there? <laughs> of course, they don't think about that. I mean, they're not paying attention. They're teenagers. You know, they're just doing what's right in front of them right now. So I think that's my biggest fear is is they find themselves in a situation they didn't anticipate and something tragic happens. I don't know if that's specific enough, but I mean, we're excited. My oldest is starting to look at colleges you know, she'll be a senior in high school next year. So they kind of start looking and thinking about it. She's taking the tests and all that. And we're excited for her. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit scary for us to figure, you know, she'll be out living on her own on campus or with roommates or whatever. But, you know, that's part of growing up. I'm, I'm optimistic that she's going to do well and have fun and, and get a great education and and grow as an individual. And then her little sister, you know, our younger one is, is in middle school now and she'll be coming into high school and, and she'll be doing it, you know, while her sister's gone, she'll be the only kid at home. So that'll change the dynamic a little bit. But again, I see it as a great opportunity. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that's, that's, I guess that's my attitude. It's always good to have that that positive attitude as you're moving forward because there's always going to be something that's going to surprise you, that's going to hopefully excite you about the opportunities and really the what the future holds for your kid. Let's take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors before we get back to our episode. This episode is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, Save the Children is working every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn and protect from harm. They are delivering lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They are doing whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis, transforming their lives and the future that they share. Right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime, and it threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers out of school and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, SaveTheChildren.org can help children to un... With your support, SaveTheChildren.org can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. There's a number of ways that you can help that range anywhere from 5 to $50, and it helps the most vulnerable children. Find out more at savethechildren.org forward slash save kids. Now let's head back to our interview. Now I know that you have been a part of the Father's Eve movement since it started, right. and it was your brainchild. So, yeah. But not everybody knows what Father's Eve is all about. Can you tell me about the, the what Father's Eve is, but also tell us about why it started and why you started this this effort that has grown from there? Sure. Well, uh, to be honest with you, Father's Eve is just what it sounds like. It's the night before Father's Day. So it's always Saturday. It's the third Saturday in June, at least here in the U.S. I'm learning about Father's Days around the world, but 
Father's Eve actually started as an accident, to be honest. It was not something I intentionally started on purpose. It was uh, a garage christening party. Here in Minnesota, we take our garages very seriously. And my wife and I moved back in 2011, and we got a big old house in St. Paul. It was a great house, but the garage was terrible. So I had a contractor knock down the old garage and build a real nice garage, big with floor drains and heated floor and running water, you know, just what I wanted, a nice big garage. I could put all my stuff in one place. So we were planning to throw a garage party. I was with my wife. You know, we were looking through the calendars back when you flipped calendars, when you flipped the pages like week at a glance. And I was looking for an open Friday or Saturday night so I could invite a bunch of buddies over and show off my new garage. So we're flipping through the calendar and it was a busy summer with the kids little and, and you know, everything else. And the only night that I could find was that Saturday in June. And I turned the page and the next day is Father's Day. And I said, geez, you know, I, I really didn't want to do it that night because Father's Day is a big deal and I'm going to get up early with the kids. And, you know, uh, so we kept looking for other alternates into the rest of the summer and there was nothing available. I mean, we were totally booked. So I said, well, if it's got to be that Saturday and it's the night before Father's Day, I'm going to call it Father's Eve. So it was kind of a joke, like, hey, it's the night before. We'll call it Father's Eve. Just come on over. So I had about. 25 guys show up. We drank a lot of beer. We had nothing to do. I mean, there was nothing to it. It was just come see my new garage. Let's hang out together for a few hours and have some fun. And we did. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And we decided to do it again. And we decided to do it on Father's Eve. Now it was on purpose. So the next year we did it. The second year was 2013. And we had about double the number of guys showed up, probably 40 or 50 guys showed up into a garage party and it was Father's Eve. Yeah, Father's Eve. You know, we called it Father's Eve, but we really didn't do anything. We added a grill and we had some games. I think a guy brought some cigars. You know, there was nothing to it. Then the third year we did it uh, would have been 2014. It was getting out of control. We had about 80 guys in the garage, which was crazy. There were guys coming that I didn't know. So it was my friends bringing their friends, which I thought was really cool, right? Like, hey, this is so much fun. They're bringing their other buddies. And somebody challenged me at that event. And they said, you know, what are you going to do with this Father's Eve thing? And I said, well, what's wrong with this? I mean, why do I have to do anything? Hey, can't we just do this? And, and the guy was kind of challenging me. He said, you know, you could do some good with this. Why don't you do something good with this Father's Eve idea? I'm like, well, okay. So once challenged, right? And my buddies that I that are close friends of mine, we go hunting and fishing and snowmobiling, and you know I'm with these guys all the time, you know, on a, you know all all year round. And so we would talk about it. I said, well, what do you think we should do? I don't know. What do you want to do? You know, it was kind of this collaborative idea. And I said, well, look, let's move it out of the garage because it was a mess. I didn't want to clean up the mess anymore, so we moved it to a bar. A friend of our friend owns a bar, so we moved it to his back room in the bar. And I said, let's make it a fundraiser. So we picked a couple charities and we set up a silent auction. And I called in all the markers. You know, I called in all the people who owed me favors, who I had done things and helped them with their fundraisers. And I said, now I got my own fundraiser, but it's not for me, it's for these two charities. 
And uh, that was in 2015 was the first kind of official Father's Eve. We actually got some T-shirts donated. We got some media and the newspaper and the local TV came out. I mean, I had a press guy help me, one of my buddies from college. You know, I had a bunch of guys help me pull this off. And we raised $10,000 for charity, which was big. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, I'm not a charity guy. I'm not an event guy. You know, we're just figured it out and kind of did it on our own. But we were happy with that. We were we were surprised, frankly, by by the number of people and the, the, the amount of money that we raised. And so uh, I decided, well, I, I, my day job is in franchising, but you can't franchise one night a year fundraiser. You know, there's no economic model there to make that a, a viable business. But uh, the suggestion was made, well, you could trademark it and license it for free and let other guys do it and do Father's Eve, you know, wherever it makes sense. And if it gets big enough and you scale it to the point where sponsors would actually want to pay to be part of it. So that's our monetization strategy is to let this thing go and let it get big enough and uh, have some sponsors participate with us, which which we've done. So in, in 2016, I went to an event called the Dad 2.0 Summit for the first time. And I didn't know anybody and I didn't know anything. I, I could spell the word blog, but I had never read a blog. I had never written a blog. I didn't know what social media influencer, I had no idea what that meant. You know, I had used Facebook and Twitter just on my own, but I really didn't know anything. So I printed up some business cards, Father's Eve, put my name and email on there. And I showed up at this conference and it didn't take me long to make some friends. And I got to meet some other guys and dads and, and influencers. Now, you know, I've been going for, I think, five or six years. I keep showing up and I'm learning a lot and making more connections. And that first year, 2016, I met the guys from the City Dads group and I learned what that was. And I said, well, gee, that looks like a franchise to me anyway. You know, everything does. And I met the guys from National At Home Dad Network. And I said, well, geez, you're a real nonprofit focused on dads. That's perfect. That's what I need. I need a better charity. So I made some friends, made some connections. And in 2016, we licensed the program to 12 cities in 2016. 2017, we grew and expanded a little bit. We, we got some more guys involved. And I think 2017, we were in about 25 cities, somewhere in the mid-20s. And honestly, some guys would, would tell us they were going to do it, and then they wouldn't do it. Or other guys wouldn't tell us, and we'd find out later that they did. You know, So whatever. It's kind of loosely organized. But 20, 2016 was the first year we expanded outside of Minnesota, 12 cities. 2017... We expanded uh, quite a bit. We got into the mid-20s. We, we were in the UK and we were in Costa Rica. And again, my media guy got busy and he actually got us on the NBC National News. They did a piece on us, which was big publicity. That was a lot of fun. 2018, we got to 43 cities and some in Canada. And we got some sponsors and we got some visibility and we started developing these relationships. Now we've been doing it for a few years. Last year, 2019, we were in 60 cities uh, with a couple in Canada and one in Mexico. And again, we raised money for some charities and we had a lot of fun and we're learning how to get this thing to scale. Now this year, 2020, of course, with this 
coronavirus insanity. You know, people are staying home. All the bars and restaurants are closed, although right now they're just starting to reopen. Um, but we think that people aren't really going to want to get together like they used to, maybe at least not this year. So we're moving the 2020 Father's Eve to an online virtual event, like a lot of other things that have had to adapt and and pivot, if you will, to the current situation. We're taking Father's Eve online. And uh, actually this week, I've been talking to different producer companies that can help us do this. I'm trying to do it in a way that uh, we can manage it and make it look good and make it work well. And uh, and I don't want to do it myself because I'm not the technical guy to do this sort of thing. Uh, I can run a Zoom meeting, but you're not going to get a thousand guys online and manage it just like you would a big Zoom meeting. That would be a disaster. So this year's plan, we've got some, again, the partnerships we've got with City Dads and At-Home Dads. We've got some sponsorships with Sport Clips, Haircuts, and other companies. And we're raising money for a new charity this year called Children's Miracle Network. And they're a big group, and they're all over the country, and they've got some real horsepower. So we're going to have some messaging and some videos and some slides and pictures and material from those partners and those sponsors. And then what we're planning to do is run a program just like New Year's Eve does on TV, where you start in the East Coast and you do a little show and they have a little short program. And then we do our countdown toast at eight o'clock local time. You know, on New Year's Eve, you got to wait till midnight to do the toast. We do ours at eight o'clock because I got to go home and go to bed. The next day is Father's Day. So we're going to run our program online. And I think what we're going to, it's not completely solidified yet, but the plan so far is to make it a 30 minute program. So it's pretty manageable, pretty controllable. It could be a little longer than that, probably not any shorter than that. But at the most, I think it would be an hour program online. You'd log in, you'd sign up. You'll see it on our Facebook page. You'll see it on Twitter, Instagram. You'll see it on fathersEve.com. You'll have to sign in and, you know, we want to pick up your name and email or whatever. We want to know who's watching. And then we'll be able to showcase our sponsors and showcase our partners and let them get some visibility to the audience. We'll want to highlight our charity partner, and and we want to have a donate now button. Uh, and we're we we are not a charity ourselves. Father's Eve is is not a nonprofit. We're a we're a fundraising event for charity. So we want to raise money for that charity, and and we think there may be a few guys that'll have groups in real life like we have in the past. Uh, I'm probably going to have a bunch of guys in my garage again, kind of back to where we started. Um, there's a few other guys I've been talking to around the country. You know, we had about 30 so groups that had signed up earlier. And then once this coronavirus kind of stopped everything, I said, OK, stop. We're not going to take any more signups because we I don't know that we'll be allowed to have any in-person meetings. So it kind of depends. We'll let guys do what they think is safe and what they're allowed to do if they want to have a meeting or a group in their backyard or their or block party or in the garage, kind of like I'm planning. Uh, but I don't think we'll have any big events like we had in the past at, at like entertainment centers and bars and restaurants. I mean, we had some really big groups that were getting together. I kind of don't think that's going to happen this year, 2020. But we get online and if we do a nice job with the program and we work with our partners and we get the social media fired up and get the engagement level cranked up, I think we can reach a lot of guys and I think we can have a lot of fun 
and really do some good on Father's Eve, even if we're online. And my expectation is that uh, if that all goes well, which I expect it will, that next year we'll be back to the old old school Father's Eve where you'll have guys getting together in person, but we'll still be online. I think we'll do it both. I think we'll do just like New Year's Eve. You know, a lot of people watch on TV from home or they go out to some club or restaurant or bar and then it's shown on the TV at the bar and restaurants. So I think this coronavirus is forcing us to figure out the online uh, aspects of doing this as a virtual event, which is a little bit challenging and uh, certainly taking a lot of time, but, uh, you know, we can figure it out. And uh, I think we can still have a lot of fun doing it. And I think going forward, it actually gives us longer and broader reach, a higher level of engagement for a lot more people and guys all over the world potentially could be watching and participating with us all together on Father's Eve. Yeah, I love the concept. I, I think that you're right. I think that, you know, as you said, you can see the incremental growth that you've gone through from cities, you know, in, in getting larger into more and more cities and online. Now, I mean, that really the world is is open to you. So you can have a great opportunity to be able to extend beyond those cities that you've worked with in the past to an even broader audience. And there's a lot of opportunity there. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, and I think that I think a lot of people will want to take advantage of that because if you've never done this before, it, it is a great opportunity to be able to connect with other dads, people that you may not know in person, but you have an opportunity to be able to build some great partnerships and great uh, friendships that can last for a lifetime. And the interesting thing, I mean, I see this every day in our dads with daughters community, as well as mm -hmm. our, um, as well as our dads with sons community, the fact that community is so important and even, and for dads, it's really important, even though we don't always, I don't know that dads always realize that or men always realize the importance of community, but I see it every day, the importance of having people there that you can turn to that are going to hear what you're having to say, the challenges that you're going through, the things that you're going through, and be able to have that commonality of having some, having a child and you're able to bond over that. You know, you may be completely different people. You could be a person that is from completely different walk of life, mm -hmm. but you're common. You have a common bond, and that common bond can bring you together. So I I say thank you to you for all the work that you've done to be able to create this initiative and this movement across the United States because I think it's a great one, and it's definitely something that I know that. I know many people that have been involved with you in the past few years that have they've loved to do it. They've loved to have their uh, their events. And even though we may not be able to meet in person this time, there's I'm glad that there's still going to be another opportunity. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a father. Are you ready? Yes, I am. In one word, what is fatherhood? I would say fatherhood is magnificent. It's a good word. When was one time that you felt that you finally succeeded in being a father to a daughter? Some of the cards that I've seen from my daughters on Father's Day and on my birthday, and these are kids, they're making their own cards. You know, we don't want to spend money on stuff like that. The messages they put in there that I know are sincere and heartfelt from my kids telling me how they feel and how they appreciate and recognize you know, my role in their life. I mean, 
There's nothing more validating than that. How would your kids describe you as a dad? <laughs> Involved and fun. I try to make things fun as much as it can't all be fun, but whenever possible or whenever appropriate, I try to make it fun. Who inspires you to be a better father? My dad. My dad. I, I lost my dad when I was 26, way before I got married and, and way before I ever had my own kids. But I appreciate him and what he did for me as a son and what he did for our family. I come from a family of five kids. And, um, you know, back in those days, I mean, things were a lot different, but he was a good dad. He tried really hard and that he did the best he could. And it wasn't always pretty, but uh, we knew that he was committed to the family. And I think that fundamental role model uh, is what, uh, what has been helping me and motivates me to do my best. And finally, what's one piece of advice that you would give to other dads? A good advice that I have received myself is raise the child you have, not the child you wish you have, which is kind of a loaded statement in a lot of ways. But I tell you, it's good advice. When your kid does something that you can't believe they did it, well, they did it, right? And or good or bad, right? So raise the child you have, not the child you might wish you had. That's my best advice. And it's good advice. I know you mentioned earlier in uh, where people can get more information, but where can get where can people get more information on Father Eve or or about you and everything that you're doing to be able to make this initiative happen? Well, fathersEve.com is uh, our website. We actually just launched a fresh version of our website here about a week ago. We're on uh, Facebook is pretty heavy. Uh, there's lots of cool videos and pictures on Facebook. I, don't, I can't figure out how to get them out of there or do anything else with them. But there's there's a lot more history on Facebook. We are also on Instagram, Father's Eve. And we do a little bit on Twitter, but not so much. I can't figure out how to manage all of those. The website, fathersEve.com, Facebook for sure, Father's Eve, and then Instagram. Those three places are probably the most the information and engagement. You know, And then just find me. I'm not a hard guy to find. I, I talk, like I said way earlier, I talk on the phone all day long. I love talking and telling stories and learning and sharing. And I'm a collaborator by nature. So I, I like to work with other people and I look I look for strategic uh, connections where everybody can win. So uh, if you've got an idea or a concept or an opportunity you think might be something we could work together on, by all means, find me. Uh, my face and email and phone number are all over the website and, and all those social media. So I'm, I'm an open, open door kind of guy. I love to try to collaborate and find opportunities where everybody can benefit. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I wish you all the best as you get ready for Father's Eve and, and expanding it even further into the future. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate getting to know you too over the years at the Dad 2.0. And, you know, I've learned a lot about a lot of things that I never anticipated. And um, it's been really fun. I think the relationships and the opportunities to learn, I mean, that's what makes life interesting. So I, I appreciate this. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. 
and the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.